Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. I want to do a quick check in the room. The house lights can come on, please. I want to do a quick check in the room and everybody online. Um, and we just want to, I was asking them in first service, of course, you know, the honest people come for second service. And those people tell a lot of lies. But let me ask you guys, I want just a raise of hands. If you have ever, like, stood in front of a mirror, you are alone in the room, and you are verbally saying compliments to yourself. Let me just check out the vain people down the room. Come on, let's check them out. Like, a mini content, all those kind of things. Fantastic, there you go. All right, all right. Have you, have you ever done something and felt like the compliments that you were given were insufficient? Like, it was not enough. Like, they don't, they don't get, like... Maybe you finished cooking and you are just so excited and somebody, somebody tasted it and said it's okay. What do you mean by it's okay? Like, blood was part of the ingredients here. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Okay, fantastic. Or maybe you scored a grade and you are telling one of your cosmates, like, what did you get in that course? And you say, oh, I had, I had an 82A. And they are like, eh, okay. What do you mean, eh, okay? Do you know what it took? <laughs> you know, and sometimes the compliments just don't feel enough. Or you did a job that you are so proud of and your boss didn't. So sometimes you literally have to blow your own trumpet and things like that. Sometimes I'm driving with my wife and, and my family. And you know, you know some really tight corners. Like maybe there's a car there, there's a car there. And you kind of like really, man, like you do something here. So your wife is just looking. I'm like, do you know what I just did? Do you know? <laughs> Did, did, you, did you see? <laughs> you don't get Like, do you get it? <laughs> but, but sometimes on the, on the flip side of it, I, I think if we're very honest people, sometimes we also have to call ourselves out and be honest enough to just say, I did not try. I didn't do well enough. That it was not good, right? Something like that. Sometimes you woke up this morning. You didn't even come for first service because you wanted to take your time to do makeup. And one hour later... One hour of painting later, you, you should be able to tell yourself that, ah, no, 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 that this thing that I painted is more confusing than convincing. Sometimes, sometimes, right? And you should be able to just say, I did not try and wash it. Don't come that way. You hear what I'm trying to say? Right. Sometimes we just basically feel to say that I did not try, okay? Or sometimes the pencil artist does a portrait, like, I want to paint, I want to draw this person. And then you finish drawing, and you know, you now start telling everybody that it's Mandela. They say, no, it's Obama. You say, no, it's Mandela. You know, I think that one time somebody, somebody did a pencil. Um, gift for me, pencil um, art gift for me, and I was really grateful, honestly, I was really grateful. But, but the problem, there were two problems. The first problem was, when you bring a frame, and inside the frame, you've done the drawing, then you now actually have to put the picture by the side, the picture that was intended to be by the side, so that they can know that this is what we're trying. You know, that is the first problem. When you see a picture, there's any problem, because it should speak for itself, do you get So I, I could already, like, the second problem was where to put it. Like, you know, I'm grateful for your gift, but I can't, you know, so it stays in the toilet. Anyway, so, um, uh, uh, I, I think that when we walk through scripture, God did have one of those moments. So God had this moment where he like called himself out. And we have a root shock because we hear God say, like he has just done work. And then God is like, ah, it's not good. Like, we have never heard this before. God did something. And it's like, it's not good. Like, all the angels were shocked. I feel like Michael leaned over to Gabriel, like, did you hear what he said? Like, I've never seen this in my whole life, my whole existence. Like, God did something and said it was not good. Like, everything God ever created and made was good. He never looked at anything and said it was not good. In Genesis 1, as we start to see him creating, he's doing one thing. Genesis 1 verse 4, we start to hear the word, it was good. Verse 12, God is like, it was good. Verse 18, it was good. Verse 21, it was slapping. Verse 25, it is boiling. Verse 31, he says, indeed, look at the last line, everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So when we get to Genesis 2 and verse 18, and the Lord God now looks at what he has done, and says that it is not good. He says it's not satisfactory. And God says, less than satisfactory that the man should be alone. That will make him a helper, suitable, adapted, and complimentary for him. So this was the one thing in creation that God saw that was not good. What was that? That a man would be alone. The one thing that God looked at in his creation and said it's not good was a man being alone. Alone. So why is he not good? Well, maybe, maybe because the man was struggling spiritually and he needed spiritual help. He needed a mentor. He needed, you know, um, um, spiritual bodies that could ginger him. But no, no, no. Adam was not even trying to grow his spiritual life. This man doesn't seem to have any problems spiritually. Like he's on the same page with God. He's in a great relationship with God and all of that. He was in a great place. So what was not good? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Adam had like needs in his life. That, that's why it's not good for you to be alone. You will need people. Maybe you need connections. When you need them, why is supposed to who you call and all of that? Adam maybe needed, you know, connections, but he didn't need 
Adam had access to everywhere he wanted to go. And um, oh yeah, 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 sometimes because that man is broke. He needs to know who he will call. Adam wasn't broke. It was, his problem was which one to do, which one to eat, when, how. Imagine God told Adam, eat freely. Eat freely. And then we read the words that they were naked and unashamed. That's a miracle. To be able to eat what you want to eat and be impressed with your body. Oh man, come on. Come on. <laughs> so what was it that was not good that God looked at the created man and says that it's not good for him to be alone because I think God saw that this man needed some sort of mutuality that would only come from human beings like him. And that at the core of it, God is saying that in my creation design, it is critical for man not to be alone, to be all that I'm making him to be, designing him to be. God is saying it is critical in my creation intent for the man not to be alone. And so in this instance, what we see is that God goes on to set up a marriage, um, but the principle is that it is not good for the man to be alone, all right? So he wasn't just speaking about marriage. In that moment, he did set up a marriage, but there's the principle that it is not good for a man, for a woman to be alone. And that principle runs through scripture, all right? And it's not just about getting married. It's about people having real human connection without which we are fundamentally flawed when it comes to God's plan and intent for our lives, what God made us to be. So we can look through scripture and see that consistent idea all through scripture that in Psalm 68 and verse 6, it says, that God sets the solitary in families, that in working with people, God will say, man, this person is alone. I'll put you in community, in family. All right, Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Even when Jesus died for us and in setting up this whole thing of let's make things that were wrong right, when Jesus died for us, he didn't just make peace between men and God. He also made peace between men and men. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, Christ is the reason why we are now at peace. He made us Jews and you who are not Jews, one people. We were separated by a wall of hate that stood between us, but Christ broke down that wall. All right, so Christ died so that we could have connection with God, but also that, so that we could have connection with one another. When you're reading Hebrews chapter 10, it's the same idea from verse 19. It's talking about what Jesus has done for us, that by his blood, he gives us courage to come into the most holy place. So we think about, man, Jesus died, and by his blood, we have courage to come. That's verse 19. Look at verse 23. In that same exhortation, it goes on to say to us, so because of that, don't forget to gather as a community. In other words, what Jesus has accomplished for you allows you to come to God, but also allows you to come together with others. Who says amen this morning? And so in God's design, as we think about connecting with God, you are right, we must also think about connecting with others. And so as I think of how important it is to be connected with others, I wonder whether you have a good people network. You know, networks can be really bad. Some of you know that. People missing where we want them to be or falling short in some way or the other and all of that. So today on this week one of our Made for Connection, I want to share with you on what I'm going to call how to connect with people in a world of bad network. How to connect with... You know when I said this topic in first service, all of them were like, what is that? Like, very sad people. But you guys are excited about this, aren't you? Yeah, come on. How to connect with people in a world of bad network. So as the people that are created for the plan and the purpose of God, that want to be all that God made us to be, that want God to look at our lives and say, man, it is good the way you are doing life in community and all of that. A people who will do destiny and be everything God calls us to be, we must be rightly connected with people. So here's what we know. The first thing I'm going to show you this morning is the essentiality of people connections. That at the heart of it, it's not about, well, it's my personality type or it's the way I grew up or it's my background thing or the kind of person. No, no, no. It's not what your natural tendencies are. I'm saying at the heart of God's heart for you, at the base of God's heart for you, is that there's going to be connection with God, but also there's going to be connection with people. People connections are essential for us to be what God calls us to be. We will never, I'll say that again, we will never fulfill God's plans and purpose for us outside of deep human connections. Your calling, your joy, your sense of fulfillment, your sense of purpose is going to bring you back to people connections. It's going to bring you back to community because our creation design was tailored such that we function rightly in community. Even God will express himself to you 
through people. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is praying and reaching out to God and just longing for a touch, an encounter with God. He's fasting and all of that. And so an angel comes from heaven. An angel visits you. You see clearly an angel coming to you. I mean, what else do you want? Do you know what the angel comes to tell him? To go and call Peter. Who will tell him what to do? Like angel, you're coming from God. Why don't you just tell me? But God will come to you and send you to people. And I'm like, to Peter? Uh -uh. I mean, even if the angel came and said, go to the Pope. Or like somebody that is, I get. But Peter? Peter had issues. Just when Peter was the one denying Jesus. Peter was the one that when they wanted to arrest um, Jesus, he brought out sword and cut off someone's ear. Peter has weapons. Maybe a gun, who knows? But an angel comes to you and says, go to Peter. Peter is not perfect, but God will use people for you. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, give. And it shall be given to you. Spiritual principle, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Look at that. Shall men give into your bosom. Even in running spiritual principles, God will use people. So your people network. Are you hearing me this morning? The miracle of multiplication that we see. Like the move of God, the mighty power of God. He can feed 5,000. But where did it start from? It started from a disciple's relationship with a young boy. God will connect you back. He would run the rhythms of destiny in your life through your connection with people. They don't know how to treat a young boy in the crowd, but they are full of the power of God. You will not get that bread. Are you hearing me this morning? Friends, we are not made to be lunars. We are designed to do life connected to others. It is still not good for a man, for a woman to be alone. And it's not just about being married. Hear me well. It is not good for you to do life as a loner. Help me look at somebody this morning and say, he's talking to you. To be all that God wants you to be, to express your potential, it's going to run on the rhythms. What God is doing in your life is going to run on the rhythms of connection with people. Judges chapter 16 verse 26, Samson was at the end point of his life. He was strong. He had this supernatural power. He could kill everybody. Like in his death, the Bible says he killed more than in all his life. But look at the wording. Samson said to the young lad who held him by the hand, please give me direction for my strength. It was the young boy. In Genesis 41 verse 9, Joseph was gifted from God. He could interpret dreams. He could do stunts, spiritual things and all of that. But it was his relationship with a human being. Somebody had to remember. It was a butler remembering that launched Joseph into what God wanted to do in his life. It was relationship. Somebody remembered something. In Acts chapter 14, Paul had been stoned. He was a powerful guy, all of that. He could raise the dead and everything. Like, if you're really spiritual like that, like Paul had raised the dead, he was that kind of guy and all. But he was in a moment now where he was stoned and he was left for dead. But it was his relationship with disciples because they gathered around him. And that was how Paul rose up and went into the city. It's connection with people. May you have people that are your lowest can gather. Ah, may you have people that when they come around you, they bring life back into you. So I'm saying, people connections, God Himself will express Himself to you through people. I can go on and on in scripture. Moses is up on a mountain, his hands are weary, but there's an Aaron, there's a heart that I know you are cold or I know you are powerful, but ah, you will have the moments. Somebody's going to hold your hands up. Let me ask you guys this morning why did Moses get up the mountain very quickly? Because he took a run up. That is a good joke. I don't care your opinion. I literally sat down and was thinking it. And you people are not clapping. You see what we are saying about not complimenting, you know, properly. All right. So let, let me show you this morning, as we think about all of this and how we need to be connected with people. Let's narrow it down. Let's say that there are three vital levels of people connection that we see running through scripture. Because it's great for the man or the woman to have people connections, um, but it must happen at different levels for a real grounded life. And this is going to be me summarizing a lot of what you see in your Bible, all right? That on the one hand, we're going to have connections with people ahead of us, people that pull us up, all right? People that um, give us advantage of their shoulders, people that we get to look up to and we get to aspire to, people that hold some weight and authority and regard at that level in our lives. And again, we're going to have people that we kind of do everyday life with, people that we 
call friends and all of that that we get to do everyday life with. And then again, we're going to have people that we connect with and reach out to and impact by pulling up, all right, by pouring ourselves into them. And this is going to be in real life, in everyday life. It's, you must think about this in terms of career. Think about this in terms of the business you're trying to do. Think about this in terms of your spiritual growth. Think about it in terms of building your marriage, your relationship, that there's got to be people ahead of you that I'm aspiring towards, that are pulling me up. There's got to be people on my level, kind of, that I am doing life with. And there's got to be people that I am also reaching out to and helping up. And it must happen at all levels. Not some, not two out of three. We all need these three vital levels of human relationship. Maybe you're here this morning and you've had some huge level of disappointment that has made you feel like you are done with the whole people thing. Like, I'm um, just done with everything, people connection, and at whatever level, or maybe some of the levels, you just feel like hurt and, and all of that. Maybe you've even made strong statements of intent, like, I will never trust people again, or I will never get close to people again, and all of that. Um, maybe you even feel like all this people connection talk. It makes you feel needy. You know, when you just feel like, I don't like to be a needy person. I like to just have a sense of I'm in control of my life. And you just like to imagine yourself as that person in control, not like that needy person that kind of needs people and all of that. Um, you might feel like you are even just a natural with the basics of life. Like, I can do my life. I can do my job. I work hard. I can, do, I can learn what I need to learn, do my stuff and all of that. And of course, I'll make my mistakes, but I just take ownership for my mistakes. And I just do life at my own pace and all of that. I figure my things out. Well, what I would suggest to you is that you're probably not a better person than Jesus. And you are probably not as offended or betrayed as Jesus was. And I mean, if I was Jesus and I was going to design my life, I would design my life in such a way that I'm not going to need people, I guess. I mean, I'll just work it into the design. Like, I'll just be, and all of that. But we see Jesus, you know, doing life in connection with people at all levels. We see Jesus starting out his ministry. I can tell you about the first part. Jesus is starting out his ministry in the affirmation and he's leveraging on the credibility and the shoulders of John the Baptist. It is John the Baptist who has gone ahead of him in ministry. John is the guy that the people already knew that had credibility and all of that, was the person that was recommending Jesus. He had a platform, he had the experience and all of that. Again, we would see Jesus going home. In Luke 2 and verse 51, we see by weddings that Jesus went home and was subject to his parents. Subject to his parents. Ah, if that was Jesus, that's a tough one though. Maybe you just read right over it. To be subject to your parents. Ah, so Mary comes and says, Jesus, yes mom, go and wash the plate, I'm tired. I said, go and wash the plate. Mom, I'm not. I said, if I close my eyes and you have not watched, Mom, the plates are washed. I said, it's washed. Then I will now be subject to her. Ah, it takes a lot. But Jesus lived his life with a sense of who is ahead of me. Again, we see Jesus doing the everyday of his life with people that were his friends, everyday connections. We see Jesus going to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and they called them his friends. Even his disciples, he called his friends. And even more than that sense of the 12, there was that sense of there are three. And then again, even John would claim like I was the one that was the closest one. And he's sharing burdens with them. He's pouring his heart. He's like, Peter, bro, please pray for me and all of that. And then again, we see Jesus spending a lot of his life pouring into others and answering questions that would come beyond the whole crowd and come and ask him questions. Nicodemus will come by night and Jesus is pouring himself into others and his disciples and teaching and imparting and pouring such that after three and a half years, they carried his heart and his mission to the world. So what we see is that there are relationships where we reach up, there are relationships where we reach across and there are relationships where we reach down and every one of them is important for us to be all that God calls us to be. I really want to emphasize that every one of them is important to be what God calls us to be, where we reach up, where we reach across, and where we reach down. Like I said, think about that in terms of career. You know, you're starting out a new job. Who are you reaching up towards? Who are you learning from? You are trying to do a business. You just start with your own ideas. There must be a sense of what is reaching up, what is reaching across, and what is reaching down. For us, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, for us to be everything that God calls us to be, we relate in these three vital directions, okay? So maybe what that will bring us to is that there must be the wisdom of intentional connections. Because maybe you hear everything I'm saying and you think, ah, the problem is I don't have people. Maybe you even actually have people, all right? What I would say to you this morning is honestly, it's okay to have gaps or vacuums, you know, right now. What is not okay is to act as if that is okay. 
So it's okay if you look at your life and say, man, there's nobody I'm reaching up to, there's nobody I'm reaching out, there's nobody in some place or the other, I see a gap. It's okay to start from there, to recognize that. What is not okay is to now institutionalize that and start to, you know, I'm the kind of person, you start justifying vacuum, I'm the kind of person, I will never, I can never, I'm not the type. What is not okay is to start to live as if that is okay. And where you have relationships that are rightly plugged in your life, I want to really encourage you, don't take it lightly. There must be a wisdom of intentional connections. Maybe somebody reached out to you. Maybe somebody's reaching across to you or whatever. We must be intentionally connecting. We see Jesus in Mark 3 and verse 7, that great multitudes. The Bible uses the word great multitude. Like people traffic everywhere. Great multitudes from Galilee. Everybody's around him. You read on in verse 8 also, the same idea from everywhere. All right? But by the time you get to verse 13, look at what Jesus does. He went up on a mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. So in the midst of all the people traffic, like everybody's your guy, everybody's your guy's guy. Ah, I just, I'm the camper, I don't know everybody. Okay, okay. But who are those you yourself want? There must be a sense of intentional connecting. We must live our lives with the intentionality of who am I putting in my space? Who am I giving access to? Who am I trying to give access to? There's these words from Henry Drummond that I like. He says, there are some men and some women in whose company we are always at our best. While we are with them, we cannot think mean thoughts or speak on generous words. How many of you know those kind of people in your life? Right? Their mere presence is elevation. It is purification. It is sanctity. All the best stops in our nature are drawn out by their intercourse. And we find a music in our souls that was never there before. Powerful words. I think there are such people. And what wisdom teaches us is that we should be intentionally connecting in that kind of space. You can't be merely satisfied to have people around you. You know, some years ago, one day I was driving in town, and one of the things I don't like when I'm driving is traffic. I hate just that sense of being stopped. I don't like it. It makes me feel like you're stopping my destiny, like, you know, and all of that. And so I was driving, and so I would typically rather, I'd rather drive a two-hour free route to get to the same place that was like a 10-minute route, but traffic, you get. I'd rather go to, at least generally, before fuel, everything, but generally, I'd rather just go around and then come to where I'm going. I'd just to drive free and all of that. But this day, I was somewhere, and there was like this stop, and it was an area of town I wasn't too familiar with. And then suddenly, the car in front, you know this day of the car in front of you just tries to get space, and then makes a U-turn. Then I see the car, like three, four cars in front of me, just making U-turn, making, ah. Uh, so I'm like, ah, they know a route, so I, <laughs> I turned on and, and followed them. So, Apparently, maybe somebody, I eventually escorted somebody to his own house gate. He went inside. Somebody, I just found out eventually that, eh. Hey. So, I now had to find my way back to where we actually were, like 30 minutes later. Right? And what I learned is that it is not everybody in front of you that you are following. It's not everybody around you that you are going with. It's not everybody behind you that is following you. There's a difference between traffic and convoy. When each person gets to their junction, you now know who is following who and who was merely delaying you. Is it between traffic and, and, and convoy? How of you are working on a project with somebody, you are like, oh, we're so close, we can't even spend a day without talking. Blah, blah, blah. As the project ended, there's a difference between traffic and convoy. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The wisdom of intentionally connecting, not just saying people around, people around, look left, look right. There's a difference between who is behind you and who is following you, who is ahead of you and who you are following. And so the truth is that if we just live our lives unattended to, like if we just go by the default, it's like a ground that you live unattended to. The truth is weeds start to grow. There will be growth, but it's not intentional. And um, if we're not rightly taking steps towards the right relationships, I honestly think we run the risk of landing the, one, the, the wrong ones. So this morning, let me highlight the dangers of wrong, of wrong connections. Many years ago, I read a book by Jensen Franklin called Right People, Right Place, Right Plan. Great book. And he said these words that when God wants to bless a life, he sends people. But when the devil wants to wreck a life, he sends people. I thought that was very profound. You see, when Jonah got on that ship that was going to Tarshish, and you see all the people in that ship struggling, battling. The Bible says they were like almost drowning. So they were struggling, struggling. The Bible says they started throwing out their possessions like they were losing stuff. You lost your business. You lost this. You lost your money. You lost blah, blah, blah. Why were they struggling? Somebody had come into their lives. See, friends, relationships are so powerful that all it really takes to make a mess of our lives is a wrong people connection. Some of you know this morning as we speak of that one person that walked into your life 
And as you look back after the last, over the last one year or two years, you realize how you started making poor decision after poor decision. You know, maybe you even got in a struggle with habits that you had no business with. Now maybe the person has even moved on, but here you are battling the residue of what they brought into your life. Maybe it's even how it formed like a web, you know, because you know this person, that you now start knowing this person, you knew that person, knew that person. You know, connection. And then the, the, the lead character has even moved, but the web is holding you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, it's not in this service. Give this message to your friends. It's not you. <laughs> what we know is that your life travels at the speed of your relationships. You see, it's the relationship. It's not that Judas was the only greedy person in Israel. There were many thieves in Israel. But it's the one that is connected to you that can betray you. Do you get what I'm trying to say? You're not the only thief now. Ah, I'm not your thief. But... It's the one in relationship with you that can betray. It's the connection. Proverbs 13 verse 20. Become wise hey, by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools. Watch it. And watch your life fall to pieces. Just hang out and watch it. Like you just observe your life literally fall to pieces. So on the one hand, when we get connections right, what we're seeing is that it is powerful. We will become by connection. But on the other hand, when we get it wrong, it's almost suicidal. Your life not only travels at the speed of your relationships, it also travels in the direction of your relationships. And so if wrong connections are this dangerous, then I guess the big question is, how do I find right connections? How do I find right connections? First thing I would suggest to you, of how we would find right connections is we're going to pray. We are going to pray. What's on my screen? Thank you. Yes, thank you. We're going to pray. We're going to pray because prayer not only brings the right people in our lives, prayer attracts the right people to us, but prayer also helps us to discern or to sort people. Sometimes what you need is awareness. Sometimes what you need is courage. Prayer helps you to sort out people in your life. I was telling you about Cornelius and Peter. See, prayer connects people. I can say that boldly. Prayer connects people. That there's a Cornelius that is praying somewhere. There's a Peter that is praying. What were the chances in a million lives that Cornelius and Peter will meet? Never. But prayer connects people. There was a prayer sensor somewhere on that side. A prayer sensor somewhere on the other side. Prayer connects people. I still believe that the steps of a good man, Psalm 37, 23, are ordered by the Lord. What are, the, what, are the, what are the chances, some of you know, of you meeting somebody who became a big part of your life? What were the chances? What are the chances of me meeting my wife if I was to figure it out? What are the chances of you meeting somebody that became so critical in your life and all of that? The truth is, left to ourselves, we can't, you know, plan it all out and all, but we can pray. What are the chances that David and Jonathan would ever be friends? All the odds were against it. As far as you can think about it, Jonathan is to take over from his father as the king of Israel. So David is basically to be his rival. But we see these words in 1 Samuel 18 verse 1, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to David. Only God can do that. In 1 Samuel 20 verse 17 again, it says the same words, Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul. It was in life, it was even in death. Only God can do that. What are the chances of you just meeting that person randomly in your life group and you even went on and got married or went on and became, what are the chances? So what do we do? We pray. I believe that prayer establishes relationships. Don't make light of this, friends. We pray. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, there were, it was a time of prayer in the church and the Bible says that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, that they were establishing a work together. You can think about that in every way. Starting a business together, establishing a work together that was established in the place of prayer. So we pray. And one of the things prayer would do for us is that it would bring us to a place of perception. So the first thing I'm saying about how you find right connections is you pray. Secondly, perception. Perception. Man, what do you perceive about people? And when you perceive, you make practical decisions. Let me show you scriptures. Proverbs 14 verse 7. Go from the presence of a foolish man. When? When you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge, eh? go and follow him, social media. When you don't perceive, he says, eh, it's nothing, it's nothing really. He says, go, eh? because you are becoming what you are beholding. Go, 
Matthew 22, verse 18. Jesus perceived their wickedness. And he said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? John 4, verse 9, 19. This Samaritan woman, you know her by the well. She looked at Jesus. She was just having a random conversation. It was just normal, normal with a guy. Like, give me water, blah, blah. Ah, she heard him. She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she started a spiritual conversation with this guy. Based on what? Perception. Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. When James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me. They gave me and Barnabas. They related with us. They connected with us. Why? Perception. They perceived grace. Jesus perceived wickedness. That woman perceived a dimension of God's expression on someone. That you can build connections how? By perceiving. Like, what do you sense? What do you feel? Let me help you. People carry a wind around them. There are people that carry a self-obsessed wind. Perceive and make your decisions. You get what I'm trying to say? There are people that carry a very vain wind. Around them for just one minute, you can feel thickness of vanity. Make your decisions. You are going in the direction of what? Your relationships. What are your core values? You know, so that when you perceive, what values do you perceive? In Acts chapter 6 verse 3, look at what matters to people. They were about to make a decision about choosing people. And the, the disciples said, so friends, choose seven men from among you. Which men? Men who everyone trusts. Okay, that matters to you. Men full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that matters to you. Men who have good sense. Let me look at your neighbor and say, if they were chosen, can they choose you? Like... <laughs> One try to but you need good sense. <laughs> good sense. Check it out. So you know what I'm saying? Check it out. Fill the room. And they said, we will assign them this task. Before you assign people the task of space in your life, said, let them have good sense. Let's fill the room. All right? So we pray, but we also perceive. The third thing we do, we position. And this is very simple because when network is bad, you go to where there is good network to find connection. It's simple. If I come to you guys and I tell you that, do you know that all my friends, every one of my friends, eh, they're all Egyptians. You know, all my friends are all Egyptians. What's the question? You ask? Did you ever live in Egypt? That's what you ask me. Or do you work in Egyptian embassy? Or do you, you know, that's why you ask me, is Pharaoh your uncle? You know, they, you, you connect me to that Egypt. Why? So when you see what is around me, it looks like where I have been. And so what I'm asking is, where do you place yourself? Where do you place yourself? And it's simple. You say, ah, me, I don't like church people. And the kind, okay. Wherever you position yourself, you find what, do you understand what I'm trying to say? That place where you like people, that is what you start to attract, all right? Then you now say, I don't know why the people in my world are just not trustworthy. Ah, uh ah. -uh. Maybe you say you don't like, what, what's the problem, all right? Other people asking me out. I don't know why they are just club, but where do you go? Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say, all right? We position ourselves. And maybe you say, no, the thing is there are fake people in church. I, I honestly, I'm not vouching. Hear me well, I'm not vouching for everybody in church, oh. But different kinds of people in church as we're gathered. Welcome everybody. But the Bible tells us to beware of, listen to it, wolves in sheep clothing. Not shepherd clothing. It's not leader, it's sheep. So they are here. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I'm not vouching for everybody in the church. But what I'm saying is that even those wolves have to be forming sheep. But that is different from where, you know, it is wolves. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The wolves are even forming sheep. So ah, when you see that, ah, wolf, lele, you, ah, I perceive. And you move on. But dominantly sheep, you get what I'm trying to say? Dominantly people on a God journey. Dominantly people trying to, you know, not perfect, but on their journey. You get what I'm trying to say? They say, no, 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 I don't like telling people. Somebody betrayed me. Then you go, okay, go to where there are no Christian rules. Go to where Jesus is not Lord. We position ourselves for what we want. Say, so join life group. He said, not camp. Okay. Be joining every other thing you want to do. And the number of WhatsApp groups you are on, you have like 30, and you're just seeing bad news, bad news, bad news. Go in that direction. There's not even WhatsApp group. When, when you're on platform, you know they do every WhatsApp group on platform. What post they learn platform? I say, what are you doing that thing? What is platform? <laughs> okay. So in all of this, as I say that we, we, we find right connection by praying, by perceiving, by positioning. So it's one thing to find it, but maybe the next question then will be how to grow right connections. Because for some of you, you'd say, oh yeah, kind of, but how do I grow it? I'll give you a simple key, Galatians 6 and verse 7. It says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he would also reap. And we talk about that and think about it many times as, you know, money and all, but I just really believe that in everything. It's a principle. 
that we sow for what we reap. We sow towards better connections. We invest towards the profit that we want. That's a principle of life. Whatever you sow, you would reap. You would have a harvest of it. You can sow, to, you can sow your time. You can sow friendship. You can sow honor. You can sow intentionality, investment towards what you want. Listen, friends, our best relationships are a reflection of how well we seized the opportunity and invested in it. That's all that it is, whether our time, our effort, our resource. And so many ways that we can think about that in a world that is really distracted, where everything is so busy, I want to encourage you, when it comes to building connections, be a present person. Be present. Learn to be present. It's a very busy age where everybody is so distracted, but cultivate the habit of being present. That's how you grow things, all right? So learn to make more quality time in the everyday things, like in connection, in conversations. Learn to make your time more quality, okay? Sometimes you really just need to put the phone away, all right? Sometimes you need to listen to people for who they are, all right? And hear not just, you know, randomly, but actually listen, all right? Um, sometimes you, you just put, put away the thoughts of the picture you're trying to get, right? Um, you can leave that. And because sometimes it's not for the gram, sometimes it's for your life, all right? It's a conversation that you need to be in, not just a moment you need to capture. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And so we need to build habits that help us to be more present people. Through everything, I think we pay for our relationships. We pay attention, all right? That's why you need to learn to pay, to pay to get the best. And this might look different across all levels of relationship, whether I'm saying your relationship in, your, in a business thing or a spiritual thing or upline, online, all of that. It might look different, but um, and so, for example, if you're trying to reach up to somebody and you're trying to learn from someone and all of that, um, th there's the power of asking right questions. There's the power of, of um, valuing access and, you know, making value out of it, of, you know, optimizing people's time and things like that. Um, but through it all, I think one thing that helps everybody is communication, that you're going to build strong connections by communicating, all right? Communication is what, you know, brings people together. In fact, when God wanted to scatter what people were doing, he broke their language. It's that sense of we can communicate um, to each other. And when we say communication, I guess, you know, that's always like, yeah, that's my issue, like communicating what's really on my heart. And that's like everybody, because like everybody's working on their communication, right? Everybody's working. Come on, everybody, right? Everybody is always working on their communication, and I know. Um, but what I would encourage you is that make sure you're actually doing that. And by that, I mean make sure you're actually working on it. It's not just a headline like, oh, my issues, I don't communicate. Make sure you're actually working on it. By that, I mean, you know, growing in it. And so part of how you actually do it is by practicing it, all right? So there's this thing my assistant writes, wrote on his table that I like anytime I'm passing their office, and I see it. And he, he wrote, he wrote um, done is better than perfect. And I, I think those are very powerful words, that at some level in your life, you're going to have to be the person that has the conversation that you need to have. Uh, my problem is that it's awkward. Uh -huh. Why is it not awkward? Uh -huh. So the issue is that, like, there's actually somebody I really just, I, mm, okay. Uh, um... Again, let me encourage you. Be a proper human being, right? Just talking about how you can grow your, your connections. Be a proper human being and whatever that is in your context. So, for example, be warm and be kind to people. Be a kind human being. It helps better in every relationship everywhere. Be a warm person, okay? Be present with people. Treat people rightly. Treat people rightly. Whatever that is, treat people rightly. Whether it's the people you are trying to connect with or even just human beings as a whole, treat people rightly. See, Peter gave Jesus his boat to use. Even before Jesus was walking, it's just a guy has a need and, you know, like I can help. Just help. Just be what you can be. All right? Zacchaeus demonstrated interest. Zacchaeus was running ahead of crowds and climbing up, demonstrating interest and all of that. Martha and Mary would host Jesus in their house. Right? They would, like Martha is running about, like preparing, like taking care of Jesus, all of that. Be a proper human being. Express gratitude, you know, recognize value that people, somebody bought you a movie ticket, you say, ah, it's like he has money. Say thank you. Say thank you. Be a proper human being. Appreciate what people do for you. Somebody spend their time for you. Spend yourself. You say, ah, that this guy is, is quite idle. Yeah, you just say things. Be a proper human being. And on the flip side of it, you also be a generous human being. All right? Contribute. When I say contribute, I'm not just saying money, um, inclusive of money, but contribute. Have a generous spirit. Let me help you this morning. See, we will all do better with others to the extent that we get beyond our selfish selves. Every one of us. We'll do better with others to the extent that we get beyond. You see, in the human nature, there's this self, self, selfish, self-centered, self-obsessed demon. <laughs> and you will do better with others to the extent that you get beyond that seat of selfishness in you. So, 
contribute, help people where you can, you know. So, I mean, you, you, took, you took boat ride with somebody home. You live in the same area. After church, you took every Sunday. When it's time to pay, you're always searching for that wallet for, for two minutes. Never. Have you, it's always missing. You're like, ah, thanks for paying. Why can't you pay? Why can't you pay? Every time you'll be searching, ah, my transfer is not going. It will never go. Be <laughs> a generous human being. And, and I'm not just saying this in terms of money, but my, I think the big question for me is like, maybe not just money, but Sometimes it's even just giving encouragement, being a generous person. It's not only you that is looking for encouragement, though. It's not only you. It's not only you that has problem. Many people have. Just being a generous person, like living outwards, right? What can you offer? But every day you are needed. You know what you just gather around you? Selfishness. We would only do better with others to the extent that we get beyond our selfish selves. And so again, think about pacing relationships, pacing things. Um, work through the ebbs and flows of life. That means that occurrences, seasons, just everything happening around life. I think they reveal a lot. They reveal a lot and help you to do a lot of sorting with human beings. So even in things like values, you know, just as seasons unfold, we see more, we learn more, we become more aware and all of that. And so, again, we can just be pacing our relationships and seeing where they land us. Human scientists will say that there are four levels of relationships, that there is acquaintances, some say five strangers, acquaintances, um, casual friends, close friends, deep friends. And the truth is, not everybody, let me help you this morning, not everybody is going to be your deep friend, though. You know, not everybody. So sometimes it's just about sorting, knowing who is an acquaintance. And it's fine. It's fine, though. You know, in fact, they will tell you that you typically would have maybe three to five, at best, deep, intimate friends, right? Not everybody is going to be your deep friend. And it's okay, you know. Not everybody is going to be your mentor. It's not, it's not every pastor that, that, ah, my daddy, you are my daddy in the Lord. It's not everybody, oh. How many daddies you want to have? How many spiritual, uh, you know? Not everybody is your mentor. Not everybody wants, uh, I listen to a somebody, but yes, my role <laughs> How many? All right? So sometimes you're really just going to be sorting things out and um, figuring out, because it does take a lot of, the truth is to get to a point of deep friendship does take a lot of hours and hours, and I think even maybe years, to build some level of trust and all of that. But let me try to learn today as Victor comes on the keyboard. Um... Maybe you hear everything I'm saying and you just feel like, um, stop it. Stop it. All these people talk, everything. I came to church to hear a sermon about God, my connection with God, not with people. You know, because in fact, this whole life, this world is not our home, it's about me and God. And you know, that's why, in fact, when we finish service, I don't even wait for closing song, I'm out. I've gone. I've crossed the road. They're even chasing me. I don't, I don't. Because on the last day, we won't stand and give account for our lives. They want a life group. It's my life. It's between me and God. In fact, I timed my coming. I wait for all that uh, 60 second uh, meet and greet, uh, all of that. I will quickly go to the toilet. <laughs> when they are through, I will come back. They're asking this morning, what was the most awkward way you started? Maybe it was even this morning for you. Like, that was the awkward one. <laughs> And maybe you are actually saying some of those things from a place of deep pain. Betrayal, maybe disappointment. Maybe you would say to me this morning, I've been very, very scarred. The truth is, I'll tell you the truth, you are not alone if you feel that way. What do you think it was like for Jesus to be on your way to the cross? Like this big thing you came to do and you live three and a half years serving people and loving people and helping people and people believing in you and all of that. And now you are walking a lonely walk to the cross. What do you think it was like? A lonely walk to die, riding on the betrayal, on the denial of your guys. Where was the crowd that you fed? Just, just when? 5,000 people that ate, that came the next day and they want to make you king. Where are all of them now? Gone. Where are the people that just now were spreading garments? And singing, where are they now? Man, this was a lonely walk, carrying your cross, being spat on, being beaten and all of that. Okay, let's even see all the crowds, all those ones. Mm, they don't have anything to do before. Mary that I cast out seven demons from. Where is she? No, 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 forget all those ones. Bartholomew! Bartholomew, what have you contributed to me? Nothing, like, like, even ask me questions. Okay, Thomas, uh, you have even doubted. Okay, you, what? You're just always looking at me. <laughs> Nothing. Where are you now? 
Maybe it wasn't the cutest place to be. I think about Paul. Paul, when he was dying, the last parts of his life, Paul had preached fire, done revival, apostolic work everywhere. Paul had done, Paul had raised the dead. Paul is preaching. You think us is dozing like number one. Why are you dozing when I'm preaching? I'll first be angry. But you now die. Uh, Paul now say, uh, guy, oh yeah, up. And he goes to continue preaching. Like Paul had done stuff. Now at the latter parts of his life, in 2 Timothy 4, he's now writing to Timothy. And then he writes in verse 7, um, that I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith, verse 8, now my life has been born. Basically, he tells Timothy, my guy, I be one die. Then, verse 9, says, I just want you to feel his vulnerability. He says, be diligent, Timothy, actually. Come, please come. Come to me quickly. Because Demas has forsaken me. He loved this present world. I invested in that guy. But he left. Christians left. Titus left. Only Luke is with me. I'm, I'm short of guys. Bring, get Mark and bring him with you. For I guess he'll be useful to me here. But Paul, you say you're dying now, but... Tychicus, I had to send him to Ephesus. So bring this, bring that. Look at verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. I want you to feel him. Verse 15, you must also be aware of him. He has resisted. Look at verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me. I said, like for you to write these words. Paul is writing these words from a Roman prison. At the end of his life, like you look back over everything you have done for people. And I'll say, when I was, nobody stood with me. Everybody forsook me. Everyone deserted me. Where the people you healed, Paul? Where the people you lived your life for? But what I want to say is that, well, what I would suggest is that it is a real human thing to be let down by people. It's a real thing. Maybe you feel that pain today. It's a real thing for, for you to have tried to make connections somewhere or the other. You got swindled. You got betrayed. This happened. I was let down. Somebody cheated. Somebody did that. Blah, blah, blah. It is a real human thing. I'm just trying to show you. So what do I do? I'm glad you asked. It's only me, but when sometimes you are struggling with maybe a device, and it's like it's hanging or you are lost in a website trying to figure your way. Is it only me that just like restart? Restart. Or, or if you are lost in the middle of a website, go home, right? Let's hit the home button. Like, let's go down. So, Paul, what do you do? I, I guess, yes, that's what Paul tries to do. Press home. Just go home. Because Paul is saying in verse 16 that everybody forsook me. I was alone. I, you know, I, I was all alone. Give me verse 16. My defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me and all of that. So what do you do? Verse 17. Paul says, but the Lord, but the Lord stood with me. Go home, press home, restart. Who was the one who said to you that it's not good for you to be alone? Who was the one who said, I see you when you're alone and I know what it feels like and I know loneliness because when I was walking and carrying my cross all the way to Golgotha, I know real loneliness. Who was the one that said, I see what it's like to be there? Who was the one? It was God. And so, in our most lonely moments when we feel like people let us down, then what we need to know is that there is one who will never leave. In fact, if we don't know what it means to be connected to the source, then what it's going to do for us is that we're going to make an idol out of the means. Let me help you this morning. If we don't know what it means to be connected to the source and how to hit restart and hit home and all of that, we will idolize the means. We will get stuck there. And every time we're, it's like something is modded up, then we keep trying harder on something and trying to pull it out of people and think it's in them. So we're trying to make them be to us what only God can be to us. Have you got into that point in your life where as a real human feeling, you just didn't have it in you to give what was expected of you? Like one morning, a colleague of yours called you at work and said, where are you? You said, I'm three minutes from the office. And he said, oh, oh, quick, quick, be fast, be fast. And you said, okay. Then you got there. Then you realized that the door was locked. Everybody was locked out. The, the CEO came that morning. It was also locked out. Everybody was standing outside. And then your colleague now said, ah, okay, you're here. I'm the key. I don't have the key. You feel like it's not in me. My wife does it sometimes like, she can be on a very difficult conversation or a call sometimes. There was a day that I remember she was on this call with somebody and I was hearing her, I was half asleep. And then I knew things were very wrong. And then she just said, oh, yes, that her husband is here. Baby, take, talk to them. <laughs> what am I to bring on? This is the truth, friends. We will idolize the means and expect more than is possible. 
if we don't get it right at the source. So if you haven't heard anything I've said this morning, please hear me. Let me tell you about Jesus this morning. Because in John 15 and verse 15, Jesus says these words to his followers. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But he says, I have called you friends. I call you my friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have, I, I want to do friendship with you. Jesus is saying, I'm making known to you. Jesus is saying, I'll tell you stuff. I will do life with you. And he says, I'll be that friend. Proverbs 18:24 that sticks closer than a brother. I'll be your Jonathan that would save you from the wrath of my father, even at the cost of my own life. He's saying, I will be that friend that sticks closer. And I'm asking at the heart of our conversation today, would you say that you know Jesus as a true friend? Or perhaps are you rediscovering him this morning as that true friend? Because it's only then that we can actually be healthy and secure in our souls. How many times has your device started behaving well when you restarted it? You get what I'm trying to say? Go back home. Let's restart the conversation from we need to be healthy in our souls and then we can make more practical, progressive decisions. We can deal with situations. That's why Paul would say that people left me, but God stood with me. It's not that people left me and hey, I give up on everything and you start panicking and all of that. Paul said, yes, people were people, but Jesus is Jesus. And if we don't, you know what we're going to do is that we're just going to panic and try and make people be to us what is not in them. We're trying to make them be to us what only God can be to us. Maybe this morning you're in a difficult place with relationships. Maybe your people network is bad right now. I want to encourage you, please don't make poor decisions under pressure. When it's all modeled up, please go home. Please go home. When it's even not modeled up, please live your life from home. Maybe it's been a long day with people and there's people activity all around you. Please know what it means to go home to the friendship of Jesus. And maybe you're starting out a new season of your life and there's pressure at work and all of that. Please know what it means to be starting out from the friendship of Jesus. Start from home, from who Jesus is to you. That there's a security and a peace in my soul and an affirmation and an identity that he gives me therefore I can live it out with people and do real connections with people because there's something that I've already established know what it means to go home when there's pressure and offense and all of that from people please go home to the friendship of Jesus today I'm inviting everybody home you would only really love when you experience true love you would only really be able to forgive when you know you are forgiven it's maybe at some point you need to know, friend. Maybe at some point it's not about them, 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 them. Oh, it's because of my spouse. Oh, it's because of my ex. Oh, it's my children. Oh, my friends never understand me. Ah, nobody can ever get me. Oh, I'm socially awkward. I'm socially forward. I'm socially pressured. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's not about them. Maybe you need to go home and find the peace of what friendship with Jesus really is. Maybe it's something missing within you. You left five jobs. Then everybody's toxic. Maybe you need to go home and know the true peace that Jesus is. That Samaritan woman had gone from man to man to man to man. Maybe it's not about the men again. Maybe we need to go home. Maybe we need to know something that gives us peace and assurance and a love in our souls that there is a friend in Jesus. As the team comes, let me Maybe try to start that moment out for you this morning. If you just bow your head where you are. Let me say to everybody this morning, everybody online, if you can just have a quiet moment, and let me say to everybody this morning, do you know that you are totally, totally known? You are totally known. I know the house lights are dimmed, and maybe you feel like I'm just lost in the dark, but listen, you are totally known. Every fear that just cripples on your heart, every anxiety, every situation, let me help you today. You are totally known, nothing hidden. He doesn't need an x-ray to see the deepest things of your heart. You are totally known. And again, you are totally seen. You are seen. There's one who is aware of every pressure that you feel, of every desperation, of every anxiety, of, of every fear, of every pressure. Everybody, every nobody gets me. Nobody, you are totally known. You are totally seen. But guess what? You are totally loved by the one who knows you, who sees you. You're totally, totally loved. Totally loved. You're totally loved by the one who is all good in every way, who is all loving, who is all able, all powerful. You are totally known, totally seen, totally loved. So why would you hide from him?
Why would you run away trying to, why would you not come, come home? And what a friend I found It's closer than a brother I have felt your touch If you can, please stand to your feet More intimate than lovers Jesus 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 Friend for me What a hope I found Yeah More faithful than a mother It would break my heart To ever lose each other Jesus Maybe just take a deep breath. Just hold it in, everybody online. Hold it in. Let it out. And say, Jesus, I love you. Chorus, chorus. Softly. Hold it in again. Let it out. And say, Jesus, I love you. So Jesus, help me love you more. Help me. Just come home at the heart of it. Who you are to me. The love, let me know that I am loved. I, I get busy in the hustle, the pressure of people. Sometimes I feel peopled out. But today, I genuinely rest my heart. The one that truly loves me. That knows me, that sees me that is for me and not against me Jesus you know the depth of my soul and you love me you know my deepest secrets you know my browsing history and you love me you know where I've been you know what I've done you know what nobody knows you know my thoughts and you love me so I rest my heart I come home to the source Jesus does that name still bring rest to your soul does that name still feel like what you were made for Jesus uh, I want us to pray for a minute I want to show you a scripture in Judges chapter 18 because if we get something right with God you see the cross was both horizontal and vertical and if we get it right with God, then we can get it right with people. And so they took the things that Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him. And they went to Laish, to a people quiet and secure. Just doing their stuff, minding their business, quiet and secure. And they struck them with the edge of the sword. And they burned the city. They were just few guys who got destroyed. The city got burned with fire. Why? Next verse. There was no deliverer. Because they were far from Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. They had no ties. They were far. They were just quiet and secure but far. And they had no ties with anyone. I told you earlier, one of the ways we establish right connection is that we pray. I want to lead you to pray this morning for a minute. Just one thing I want to ask you to pray. I pray this for myself ever so often. I want you to pray this morning. You would say, God, bring me to my own and bring me to my own. Bring me to my own and bring my own to me, God. Bring me to my own 
and bring my own to me. I don't know what I hit some for you today. At whatever level you feel vacuums, it's okay to see a vacuum, but it's not okay to live like that's fine. Lord, bring me to my own and bring my own to me. God, bring me to, to, to relationships, to connections. Make me aware. Make me be a perceiving person. Help me to walk away where I should walk away. Help me come close where I should. God, bring me to my own. Let me live strong in the rhythms of destiny. Oh God, bring me, bring me, bring me to my own. Plant me stronger. Hey, the planted man is the blessed man. The connected one is the blessed one. He shall be like a tree that brings forth his fruit in season. God, bring me to my own. Bring my own to me. There's a Peter somewhere, there's a Cornelius somewhere. You need to pray. You need to pray. And say, God, establish for me what only you can. What I cannot calculate what I cannot strategize, what I cannot do in myself. God, bring me to my own and bring my own to me. They were quiet and secure people, but they got destroyed because they had no ties. I need the right connections. If you're not building the right connections, the wrong ones grow. God, God, fill my ground with what is right. Fill my life with people that are right. With your appointed people in the sound of destiny. God, you are the one that said it is not good for me to be alone. God, bring me to my own. I want you to pray. Maybe you need it in some area of your life. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe you know you need a voice in your career that can move you in a new season. Maybe you know you need an influence. Maybe it's a relationship you're trying to build. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's parenting. But you know I need an influence. God, I pray today, bring me to my own. Ah, oh, there's, there's nothing David can do to get a Jonathan, but God can work it in the heart for you. God, bring me to my own. Bring my own to me. Teach me to be a man of perception. Teach me to be a man not carried away by what is flamboyant, but to be a man of perception that recognizes grace and wisdom. I connect myself rightly. The name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus name we pray amen while we stay standing I want to make an invitation for somebody who came to church today you can boldly say that you're in the right place with God you see maybe you came to church today and you hear everything I'm saying and you are really determined to go make it work like make it work with people and all of that but at the heart of it there's a connection with Jesus that we find that positions us to be able to connect across that is when we reach up to God in surrender and we realize he was always reaching down to us I don't know who you are today, but maybe you would say to me, I'm not in the right place with God. That's beautiful that you can be honest. Say, I need forgiveness. Let myself down. I feel like I've let God down. I feel like I've sinned. I've messed up. I just don't even know what it means to be in the right place with God. Or maybe you would say to me at some point, I was right with God, but as we speak today, I know that I'm far away. I've walked away, made poor decisions, got in the wrong things, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just not in the right place with God. Really doesn't matter where you've been coming, whether you're new or visiting with us today. My question is whether you can boldly say with an assurance that you are in a right place with God. Here's the new good news. If you can say, man, I'm not right, then we can make it right in just a moment. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes. We're standing to honor your decision today. But as we stand this morning and as we bow our heads and if you say you are speaking to me where you are I just want you to put your hand on your chest God sees you he knows you whether you're in this room or you're online anywhere God sees you and he knows you are you ready one two three put your hand on your chest God bless you thank you thank you thank you it's a miracle happy in your life and if you're online also I believe that God sees you right where you are still not up to it today I want to be forgiven God bless you thank you for your sincerity God bless you that's a miracle because nobody comes to God except he's drawn. And you felt that talk in your heart saying, yeah, do that. So that's incredible. Now I'm going to ask us to say prayer together. Everybody who has their hand on their chest, know that God hears your words today. And as a church family, this is a family of the crowd, so we're all going to join in with you and say these words with you. But I want you to say it with every bit of assurance today, knowing that God hears you. Can we all say today, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's the savior of the world. I make today the day that I boldly declare Jesus Christ as my savior and my Lord. I give myself totally to follow you 
please forgive me of the past. Give me a whole new start. Say, I'm made new. I'm a new man in Christ. I'm totally forgiven. I am totally known. And I am totally loved. Say, I'm a child of God. And one day, I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you pray that prayer at the end, we are so excited about your decision for Jesus and we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.